What's up, everyone? How are we doing tonight? Happy, uh, happy Wednesday. We got an absolute stacked set of speakers tonight. Going to be diving into some fun history, some, uh, some, some pre, pre-crypto, some, some, some real philosophy here tonight. We'll try to get away from all the, the Web3 jargon and kind of go back to the, back to the roots, back to what brought people into this space what drew you here and i think um privacy is one of those really interesting values because i think everyone has a story to tell around privacy i think um everyone if you really pause and think about it and you slow yourself down it's it's something we all value and it's something that impacts our everyday lives so i'm pulling up joe onto the stage here and uh be sure to uh spread this space far and wide i'd love for this to be a bunch of audience participation. Um, yeah, Joe, how are we doing tonight? Hey, I'm doing really good. I just finished working. I edited a video. I feel like so productive today. And now I got the space. To, I was looking forward to it all day. Uh, I got some. I got some questions for the conversation. I think you know. I like privacy, but I. I have like a very uh, negative view of the future of, 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 of how things are going to be in the U.S., but this is going to be a great like kind of hope we get into like some philosophical type conversation as well as like the where the rubber actually meets the road with Shade Protocol. Love it. I can't wait to dive into some of those. I also can't help but notice that you have the same PFP from the Do Kwan case. Is, is that going to be like a lifelong commitment at this, at this point to the PFP? I, you know what? Somebody pressured me to change it like a few months ago, and I don't have anything better. Isn't that bad? Like, like I don't have anything. So I do need Dude, a better the star, one. The folks are rolling over right now. They're, I'm sure they would be tweaking out if they had the chance to pitch you the 49 NFT collections that all are meaningful. I, I think uh, I don't think anyone really knows what this PFP is from, except like some Cosmos people that were here during the DPEG. I, I don't know, man. It just looks it just looks funny, man. I don't know. I got to get a better one. With all this AI and stuff, I should be able to come up with something better, you know? When when uh, Lord Do Kwan makes his return, you know, you'll be able to cross paths. If, if you hold on to your PFP for uh, four years, I'm sure you'll get it. Guy never gave me the time of day. Never gave me, never, never added me on Twitter. I couldn't even respond to his tweets because he, he I wasn't, he wasn't following me. I, I felt like uh, such an outsider. <laughs> I would have loved to talk to that dude. I, I actually have a fun, <laughs> I have a fun Doquan story. Um, nice. It's just like two and a half, two and a half months before the DPEG. Uh, we were trying to get some like, um, we we're trying to get the Terra wallet set up because we're doing the Shade Protocol uh, airdrop to the Terra community. And at one point, I'm in a back channel, and me being being the foolish 
young man I was at the time, I, I at tagged Doquan because I was, you know, you know, we were trying to get this thing fixed. We weren't seeing traction. So I tag him in this back channel and he responds and he says, at Carter Wetzel, I have one rule. Do not at tag me. <laughs> oh, so that's his only rule. That's pretty good. You got a million followers. That's your only rule. I like that, actually. No, I would like to talk to that guy because I think, um, you know, I don't watch that much TV. I don't watch that many movies, but one thing I did watch, I watched, uh, I watched the blacklist and I, I feel like that's not fiction. I feel like Do Kwan definitely got brought to like some special ops site in the middle of the ocean and got like shaken down by the banking system of the United States. And, you know, I feel like he was treated like, um, you know, way worse than he deserved to be. And I would just like to know like off the record, like, Honestly, my question for him would be, I would say, hey, man, I promise I'm not going to repeat this. This is not being recorded. Just how bullshit is it? Just you could blink twice, give me a thumbs up. or Like, how bullshit is this? And then I just want to see his facial expression. Because I, I think that people like him are not getting treated like normal prisoners. I think they're getting like really either interrogated or they're forced to like give up some weird information that no one would think is valuable because the United States government is like so clueless with, uh, with crypto and stuff. But that, that's what's going to make tonight's conversation good is privacy because theoretically it's, it's important, but are we going to get it? I don't know. That is the great way to frame the space. I know we also have Tank and Haas here. If you guys want to come up as well, we'd love to have you guys on stage too before we kick things off. Hey, Tank. Is it the same tank that has a YouTube stream? Same guy? I think it's I think it's that re, uh, real estate guy. Yeah. Oh, nice. I, I said he has a. Uh, he's the number one um, indoor salmon farming tycoon in Tennessee. Indoor okay, tank. Walk us through. <laughs> what does it take to be an expert? <laughs> what? <laughs> Wait, I was connecting. I was connecting. What does it take to be an expert of what? Indoor salmon farmer. Like, is every Maneki backed by three salmon? Like, how does that work? Uh, well, actually, they've been uh, reproducing, so it's now six. It's now six. <laughs> That's funny, dude. I would actually would really love to hear about that one day. Maybe on my stream, we could shoot the bull. But uh, anyway, happy to have have you because I know Tank's got some going to have some good opinions. Usually, he's a fellow fellow cranky boomer like myself but maybe he's more optimistic than i am in this in this area are are the salmon like exponential like if you like turn away for 30 seconds and look back is it going to be like 36 or like how, how fast is it's this, this only thing it's only when you turn away because if you stare at them they just they kind of still they stay they just only when you turn away <laughs> oh man Haas, how are you doing tonight Doing well, man. We spoke earlier, so that was pretty cool. I think you're, you're a trooper. Two and two in one day? Is there, or did you do another space as well? Honestly, they all just kind of blur together, you know, right? When my eyes start to shut, I, I hear that background music at the start of a Twitter space, and I jolt back awake, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I've, I, it's been a long day for me, too. I've been, like, getting a 20-minute, 30-minute break here and there, but it's been all day for me as well. My my Wednesday, these are my... Uh, longest days or is Wednesday, but no, I'm, I don't think I'll be as morbid as as Joe when it comes to my outlook on privacy in America. But I can understand where he's coming from too. I know, so, I, and I've heard ooh. you speak on this as well. And you're an accountant, right? And um, yeah, you know, you. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll let Haas speak for himself. I 
I I'm ju- I just think the United States will f- will fight it almost like um, excessively while turning a blind eye to a whole bunch of other stuff just on on principle. That that's my well, well yeah they're already yeah they're already doing that right now. I mean because they there's just so many like gray areas and just random things that they think is important and you you know like I don't know if we're I guess we're just kind of hopping into it but yeah it's just like. I don't know. They like Elizabeth Warren. Every time she speaks, she just says a bunch of nonsense. But I, I feel like if she's able to keep spouting from the mouth, that someone has to believe her, or at least gives her the platform to just keep going up there and making a fool of herself. But I think, you know, from my journey is I, I hate to say it, but I feel like most people are just not intelligent. Not I wouldn't say not necessarily in this space, but anyone in office and just people pulling the strings or or have lobbyists give them the money like i just don't think they're really bright i I agree with you i think they're good at fundraising and that's about it i think once they get elected the reason why they never get uh dethroned is because they they're so good at raising money it's impossible for a new candidate to dethrone an incumbent and you end up with like 77 year olds who have accomplished nothing on like their 48th term in to be honest congress is um I think the House of Representatives is probably the strongest branch of government, right? And it's like the way that it was designed, it was designed that people would get cycled through those positions as fast as possible so that they were forced to do the will of the people or lose their seat. But now they just raise so much money, it doesn't matter. They just it's 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 like a fundraising game. They put it this way, they raise like twenty million dollars for two years. In, in an office where they only get paid like 140,000. Like that's what teachers get paid in New York city, the top pay for New York city. It's like, it's like, wow. Like imagine you had to raise that much money to go to a job interview to become a teacher, like <laughs> 10 million bucks, whatever it is. Yeah, exactly. So, or just be wrong about everything and still keep your job. Well, you could do that like, in sports too. Uh, you could be a sports analyst and do that. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, yeah, it's exactly. Or yeah, it's it's I, true as long as you, and you know, I, I want I want to like Carter like, like introduce us, but so Haas, you just reminded me of something because I know you're a sports guy. I was I was thinking a couple of days ago, like I'm looking at Venmo. I don't use Venmo that much, but when I use Venmo around this time of year, you could see other people's transactions if they voluntarily disclose it. And probably you see the same thing as me, other people in the audience. It's like ninety percent people settling football bets with Venmo, right? And wasn't it like not that long ago where they wanted to crack down on like $500 crypto transactions? Like how many tens of millions of dollars are going to change hands for these dumbass Super Bowl boxes? That's literally blind gambling. It's it, it's so degenerate. Like you have no chance of uh, there's no EV to be had. You have to get so lucky, like a scratch off ticket. Well, yeah, I was going to say, well, you're just mentioning that. I was going to take it a step further, just like that, the lottery. Like, think about the lottery as a, as a whole. That Most of the money that people are, you know, purchasing these tickets are probably already been taxed before. Yep. And then if you happen to win, it, they take so much from it. It's like the tax on top of tax. And just like, just make it make sense, you know? Like, I don't know how that even makes sense. And yeah. it's just insanity, you know, like everything's in, like th- this is the, I guess we're just like bullshit. But the fact that I, you and I can just randomly go down to any casino in America and just take our whole life savings and just go throw it on red or black or whatever and just lose it all. And it's like, oh, well, and then, you know, they're going to have the audacity to tell me, like, if I could buy Bitcoin or something, it's like, who are yeah. you first off? Like, you're not you're not the grand doll. Like, you're not like 
you don't have special power. So that's why I always laugh at things like that because if you're, it's just such a double standard, you know, it's like, don't tell me what I can do and what I can't do. And that's all. And then I don't want, you know, and I'll return the favor. It's a reciprocal agreement. Like if you want to go down to the casino and blow all your money, that's fine. But just don't tell me I can't buy. Well, the thing is I'm, I'm, I'm forced to get okay for you to buy cigarettes. Though. Yeah. It's it's okay to, for you to buy cigarettes though. It just has to have a warning label yeah. that it's bad for you. Not only that, right? Even if I, even if I'm anti-gambling, like let's say I hate gambling. I don't even like to buy stocks. Like I'm, I'm just like hoarding cash, and or maybe I only buy real estate with my money. I'm still forced to gamble because I'm forced into a a public pension that's funded like twenty eight percent or something like that. I don't even know what my pension's funded. All I know is that there's, there's like a a non zero chance that I don't see a penny of that money by the time I'm fifty five, right? So anyway, we 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 went way ahead. Maybe Carter can like. Start us off you know, like because like me between me, Haas, yes. and Tank, we're like um like three construction workers that like and, like we all <laughs> forgot our lunch at home and we're just working without lunch and we're just pissing vinegar all day. So let Carter set it up and then we'll you know we'll make it somewhat civil, even though like the panel. <laughs> my, my first thought was like we're definitely doing this again. <laughs> I, I hope this just, is ongoing because awesome. I hope we can get like some other people that have that have better insights through For experience sure. or maybe like their 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 occupation. But let set it up because this is loosely planned, believe it or not. So we and then yes. we'll we'll go from there. So you know the the framing I want to kind of start with is transparency as a net a net positive, right? Um, I think a lot of us like pre-crypto have seen kind of financial institutions, kind of the opaque components of it. Um, and when we first heard about Bitcoin, we hear about this totally transparent ledger. The whole industry kind of tells you like, oh, this is like a super strong net positive thing. So I kind of want to first start with how did you like, when did you discover like transparency as this really strong, powerful attribute, like walk us through kind of what drew you? To that kind of between the three of you and eventually i also kind of maybe talk about too that transition point when you realize wait a second maybe there are some trade-offs to total transparency so we won't do the trade-off question yet just kind of start with when in when did you realize that transparency was a super valuable attribute and what what was your story like arriving to that conclusion i'll start because my my story is kind of short it did take me like a long time to understand how blockchain was different from the other um you know for from traditional finance and payments and all that but the way the way that transparency in bitcoin was was explained to me the first several times was that the reason why this was useful and important was that you could verify that there actually was bitcoin like you could trace a single bitcoin back to its genesis and i said okay i know you can't do that with money right so that kind of makes sense and when I was using crypto, it was basically only on centralized exchanges. So I never really worried too much about like buying things with crypto and then having someone see all my transactions, even if they weren't relevant. But yeah, I, I, my, my, the way that it was first explained to me made sense in that things were verifiable. I was like, okay, that makes sense. That seems like the right way to go. So. That's odd. I love the word verifiability. I think that that word doesn't get used enough, right. but you know, verifiability, ultimately the point of that is that builds trust 
in the system. If everyone, they say don't trust, verify, right? But the beauty of if everyone being able to verify is then the trust is actually built in the system. So I, I really like your use of the word verifiability there as ultimately why, what that transparency produces. Um, Haas and Tank, how about you guys? What, what kind of brought you to the journey of transparency good? I guess so. I'll go next. Uh, yeah. So like my background, I governmental work and, and accounting. And um, when, when COVID basically happened, I don't really believe in coincidences, but I, I, I keep up with the, the markets and what was going on. And, you know, it was the perfect timing, right? Like the election cycle was coming up and then this virus happens and all these other things. So I'm like, holy shit, like, this is kind of scary, like the timing of this. And I don't, I, like I said, I just don't believe in like coincidences or anything. That's just the way I, I, I'm, I'm my, my DNA. So, um, I, I, I rarely did, or I don't want to say, I didn't do much studying before COVID of, of blockchain. One, I just didn't have the time. I was just working crazy hours. And then when I did, I didn't, didn't want to do any of that stuff. So, you know, I got actually it was laid off for like a month and a half, two months. And that's really when I started to do all the the recon and then it just made sense instantly my, my first interpretation of of when i read the white paper um bitcoin's white paper was basically it's what I, what i do for a living except for now i could see all the transactions and it makes sense to me so i just always visualize that a, a blockchain is a decentralized accounting ledger and then you take that surf you know you take that um that fundamental standpoint and then you can build things on top of that that are decentralized applications and data and everything like that. So I was like really fascinated, right? Pretty much instantaneously. And um, I, I like that standpoint because it's you, like, I've done audits and look at people's books and everything else. And you could just see people cooking the books and just makes no sense. You're like, this doesn't make any sense. Like, where did this come from? Or where did that come from? And um, with, with this, like, it's just like pluses and minuses all, all the way through. So I, like I said, I just understood that right away. Now, when it came to like taking that, so like what what's the pitfalls? Well, it, it is transparent, but it's not everyone's business, right? Like you should be able to release these records if you want to, but not everyone's just be able to just check it out whenever they want to. So the, that was honestly, when I first got into crypto, I did the traditional Bitcoin, Ethereum, and then you know, using different blockchains, I was like, this is really shitty. Like, it's like going back in time and, and um, just clunky. I was like, this is not sustainable. And uh, I ended up finding osmosis in June of 21 when it launched. And then that was the first time I really started to do a bunch of research on on Cosmos and SDK and then Merkle proofs and just how everything works. It's just like my mentality is like, I want to know everything I possibly can. And it just made sense. It's like, all right, this is the way blockchains will communicate. Like different accounting ledgers will talk to other accounting ledgers and it's all ubiquitous. And like, that was kind of like my thought process on it. But then right away, my after after basically osmosis, the second chain that resonated to me was actually secret because it was like, okay, they have this solution where you could take this accounting ledger and it's not transparent for everyone to see unless you want it to be. And I was like, this makes sense from like a financial aspect too, because um, people that have money that move money around, they have they want to have a competitive advantage. And right now, technically, how most blockchains are constructed, there's no competitive advantage if someone knows your wallet address. They could just copy and paste all your moves and your transactions and things of that nature. So that's kind of been my focal point. And it's really been fascinating to see like the evolution of what everyone's trying to do with like ZK proofs and all this other other ways of kind of building in privacy and all that. Uh, so that's kind of my long-winded answer to that. No, it, it's really cool that you come at it from the 
accounting perspective. And then along that journey, kind of realizing, wait a second, these books, like, just like in our, the commercial world, the books aren't totally open for everyone, right? Like there's, there's huge trade-offs to that. Um, so I think that's fascinating to see your journey discovering it from an accountant's perspective. What about, what about you, Tank? What, what drew you to total transparency? What's your story around that? Uh, uh, so yeah, I think, uh, I don't think I've actually ever told this story. So it's kind of funny, uh, thinking about it. Uh, but it was, uh, when I was an active realtor, I'm a retired realtor. It's pretty much where I got my start in things. Um, it was the whole process, right? I, I wanted to make a transaction. Uh, and the, if you guys own a home, you guys know they verify the cost knows this, like, you know, the back of his hand there's it, it's such a slow process and they question everything and you know it, it's like i wanted to make a transaction i remember at the same time i also wanted to buy uh, a rolex i remember i wanted there was this one rolex i was i was hitting making deals after deals after deals and it was this guy that i wanted to buy a rolex from and i went to the bank and i uh, again asked to take out i think it was like twenty twenty five thousand dollars and it was it should have been there you know it was all the money it was like x's and o's it's in my bank account why why, why can't they just go get it and i remember being told I had to wait uh, a certain amount of time. I forget what it was, but it was, it was, it was, it was stupid. Like I was so upset because the guy that was selling it again, like I wanted to bring cash to the deal and he was giving me a good discount for it. And it was like, we got to wait. And I was like, what, what? And I remember this was, um, I'd heard about Bitcoin. I forget what year it was, 2018, 2071 of the years or something like that. And I had brushed it off or whatnot. And then I remember that going through that and going, this is bullshit. Bitcoin, you're telling me Bitcoin, I can hold it myself. I can hold my value myself. I can, I can, like if this other guy that was selling me this Rolex uh, while I was buying this piece of property and stuff like that, uh, you know, actually had a wallet as well. I could just send them it and it, I could be done. I wouldn't have to wait or, you know, maybe somebody else beat me to the punch. And I remember that's when, it, that's what really uh, had me dive more into cryptos. It was, it was like a Rolex and a purchase or whatnot and me having to wait and verify my own money uh, to people who didn't actually have my money at the time. Uh, and, you know, was trying to charge me fees for, for moving it around. I was just so pissed off at it. Um, so that's kind of when I got into, uh, you know, looking at, at it through Bitcoin and Ethereum. Uh, and then a little bit after, I remember I bought Bitcoin. Uh, I, I, I've told this story sitting in my in-laws. Uh, it was Christmas. And I was trying to escape and, and look at my phone for something. I remember buying Bitcoin on their bathroom toilet, uh, hiding away for about 30 minutes or whatnot. While, while nobody knew where it was. And I bought my first Bitcoin. Uh, during the holidays, sitting on their toilet uh, and being super happy about it, thinking, "Oh, I could have bought this Rolex with this Bitcoin." Uh, so that's how I got into it. And yeah, that's what that's what really, really got me thinking about, like you know, transparency and 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 whatnot. Like, if if I would have had this, if we would have had this years ago for my myself personally, I could have been moving deals a lot more efficiently, a lot more cost effectively uh, than I've ever done in the past. We need to have that Cosmos real estate chain ASAP. Yeah, no tank. It, it makes complete sense. Like I, that's one of the teams. Uh, I'm drawing a blank, but it's they're a chain in in this in Cosmos that has like a billions of dollars of TVL. But that's what their RWA play. Carter, you may know who it is. Actually, I'm can't. I just can't think right now. I'm so tired of that. But anyway, <laughs> like, like he, trying to get a HELOX loan, it's just yeah, it's it's painful. And uh, the fact that you'll have this yeah. asset that could be worth whatever, and it could take days upon days for you to get basically money off from it, right? And like crypto just eliminates that time process to be like a pretty much instant instant settlement. Yeah, so, yeah. I, I hear and then you. and then paying everybody. I know you know you're you. Uh, 
did you quit full-time or are you not full-time? You you know, paying all the middlemen in between that to handle my transactions was like, it was this whole, you get upset when you're, when you're dealing with larger or even in, in any amount, like, right. When you actually look at all the hidden line items and stuff like you go, I'm just getting bled to death here to move my own money around to purchase oh something. It's, 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 insane. it's so it's insane. bad. You know, I know we're talking about real estate a little bit off topic, but the way the banks move, when, when I bought my, my townhouse in Florida, I got pre-approved for the mortgage. I got pre-approved for twice as much as what the, the mortgage was going to be. And when, you know, when my offer was accepted on the, the town, it was like a $130,000 uh, townhouse. It took two and a half months. And I'm like, wait a minute, I'm pre-approved. That means I'm allowed to have $360,000. Like you're about to give me $360,000. Why do I have to wait two and a half months to get half of that? You have already pre-approved me. What can change? Well, a lot can change. I did a transaction in my, I deposited cash into my into my account because I had two accounts at the time. It flagged for like a thousand bucks and they had to start the process from scratch. It's like, come on, man. I hate it with my clients. I'd always tell my clients, don't touch nothing. Don't do fucking nothing. Don't touch nothing. <laughs> I had to go to a notary and and like verify where the thousand bucks came from. And it was because it was because I paid my dad's Home Depot credit card and then he gave me the cash or something like it was something dumb like that. So anyway, yeah, I mean, there's so many use cases for crypto. You could have like the history of a house or a car or something like that. All the transactions, the repairs, the loans against it. That could be on on a public ledger, and that maybe is the public's business. But like Haas said, a lot of stuff isn't anyone's business at all. So maybe we can get into that. Yeah, I think the next interesting step here, and we'll do we'll try to try to hold this to like sixty seconds per answer. Um, essentially, what is the anti case? against privacy what what, if you had to like take the other side play the devil's advocate when you see kind of the pro privacy crypto folks and you look at them and you kind of pause and say all right all right like maybe there's some middle ground i think they're underselling the value of transparency and overselling the value of privacy try to let's try to do a devil's advocate 60 seconds per person i'll also participate in this part too um, but yeah, whoever wants to uh, take us off here, and then we'll take, we'll take, I'll be able to uh, keep it under 60 seconds. But I mean, the other side of it is like, look, ever since 2001, the world changed in a drastic way. Terrorists are leveraging all the technology they can to disrupt, you know, and, and cause chaos. Um, it's not only that they're using cell phones and computers and all that, they're able to transact cross border in privacy maybe moving weapons, maybe moving drugs, maybe moving people, right? So this KYC, AML, it will not eradicate that behavior, but it will create additional steps so that not only is it harder and takes longer for terrorists to do what they want to do, it increases the likelihood that law enforcement can can get them before they're going to, you know, complete whatever it is that they're trying to achieve the world after 2001. I mean, 
anyone here that's like 40 something can vouch it was totally different like you could stay in a hotel without a driver's license like you could just go to a hotel make up a name and stay it's just not like that anymore and it's because of what happened in 2001 Ooh, very very efficient I'll, I'll take my 60 seconds now you know there there's a lot at risk if everything is connected to everything and the instant you introduce privacy into the equation we lose the ability to control and dictate what the bad actors are doing and if i'm working with compliant citizens they should have no fear of sharing all their you know key transactions with me um because at the end of the day like they're following the law and so when we have these controls when we when we want to force things into a certain type of transparencies and controls we're ultimately doing it to protect national interests and i i question anyone that you know would disagree with that on the basis of privacy like you, you have to care about national interests. so <clears throat> i'll pause there that was my 60 second devil's advocate and that was almost verbatim from someone who i walked talked to in washington dc fun facts uh yeah i'll go next uh mine's a little bit personal uh but to be on the other side um you know kind of like like you guys had earlier i don't want to call people stupid but you know, a lot of people are, are not that bright. Uh, when we when we give people the ability to hide their transactions, you know, I lost my brother-in-law from uh, fentanyl overdose uh, two days before Christmas years ago. Um, you know, you open up the floodgates for, like Joe was saying, criminal activity uh, to be more readily available and, and those kind of things to be happening to people throughout our country. So, yeah, there, you know, there's, there's, there's cons to it for sure. I guess mine, since I agree with all your points, and actually I was going to talk about the the, the terrorism type thing, but it would be more so on um, there's there'd be ways for people to scam others and kind of maybe get away with it. And they're like, oh, what do you mean? It's transparent. But, you know, there's, there's layers to it, right? And yeah, you could totally scam someone and then maybe move those funds outside of your your nation state or whatever. And then, then you got to deal with, I mean, hell, even if it's, you got scammed with a credit card and someone stole your shit from like a different state in America, it's like a pain in the ass. It's like, you're, you're kind of beat. Um, all the credit cards have insurance, but kind of get my drift. It's like harder. And then it's like, who's, who's responsible? What, what people have to go after who, you know? And so, yeah, that to kind of just tie it all of that. That's what my point would be. Well, that was a scathing, four minutes of reviews against privacy so now naturally we get to have the opportunity to take the other side of the the perspective um i'm actually going to kick off i'm going to kick off with something pretty spicy this is this is cosmos related i'm sure someone will be offended by this and i, I rarely say things like this but <laughs> i actually think i actually think that the juno whale moment is actually a really interesting example of like what happens with total transparency. Um, when everyone's funds are totally publicly visible and we exist in a system where governance, whether centralized or decentralized, have the ability to go after the custody of your funds because of that transparency. If you don't have the protection of privacy, the promise of self-custody becomes significantly weaker. And 
I think that's my my biggest concern with like a totally transparent late game is who's who's governing the chain and do they have your individual best interests in mind um, compared to their their own self interests and that's what I love about privacy. I, I said it before and I'll say it again. Doesn't care if you have one dollar or a billion dollars, it's going to protect your right to property and the right to your own uh, digital digital decisions. And I think that type of freedom is actually embedded into your your constitutional and human rights. I guess I'll go next. Yeah, I totally. I'm on the same board with that. Also, uh, governance. I've seen times where people will go out with pitchforks and, and hate on validators for voting one particular way. And uh, you, you need privacy to, to mitigate that and just eliminate that. But just ma- mainly privacy is just for the safety measurements. Like if someone knows how much you have on your on your wallet, then they could just like bother you. And it, like again before, like at the end of the day, it's just no one's business. Like no one, people don't know how much money is in my bank account, you know? Um, it's just the same thing with this. I think that for the most part, people shouldn't have to, shouldn't know that stuff. You know, like I, that's just your business. It's not their business. And it's just your human right. Like that's what crypto is all about privacy. And, um, that's what I believe. in. so, sorry, I'll just, I'll go next. Um, I think the number one thing is that, um, privacy is what is what kind of makes you a, a person, right? Like, like I, I, what I don't like about these, the excessive legislation and laws is that in the attempt to just collect as much taxes as possible, right? Because it's that's really, I think, what it's all about. Hopefully, that's what it's about. Because the, the government has a spending problem; they just want to collect taxes. They're they're eradicating like the difference between an actual human being and then like like basically a farm animal, right? So, like, and I think I think that you you should be able to not worry about scrutiny. Um, but again, this has been eroded over time, but like accelerated in, in recent years. And I think you, um, I, th- I think that everyone's at risk if, if there's no privacy whatsoever. Yeah, I kind of agree with everybody. I just want to say um, for me personally, you know, I, I don't think that everybody needs to know how much uh, me or my family or my business has in our bank accounts. You just need to know that we are, you know, paying our taxes, uh, that we're reporting uh, what we need to report. Uh, and, you know, our competition doesn't need to know how much ammo or what kind of ammo we hold uh, within our own business or, you know, uh, per se. So, uh, yeah, I'm kind of just ring the same bell that everybody else is ringing. Awesome. Those are some great answers. We pulled Patrick up onto the stage before before we give him the mic real quick. I just kind of want to echo that that scrutiny is a really interesting word because you know, there, there's such things as search warrants and in, in freedom loving countries, you kind of have to have probable cause to be able to go and open up the doors, open up the books. Right. And it's like, I bet if we went back 80 years from now and talked to people then about how much data we give up and how much scrutiny we just casually allow ourselves to have by default I think people would be absolutely shocked. And so, yeah, I, th- I think that that right to not have constant scrutiny is just a given as something that society is like, yeah, like you have to do that or else you're a baddie. It's like, no, I, I think as, as citizens across the entire world, you have to, to fight to protect your identity and protect yourself from that undue scrutiny because it can convert into 
censorship. And we could talk about censorship in the non-Web3 world, and there's a lot to tackle there. But uh, I'll pause there. Patrick, thanks for coming up on the stage. Oh, my pleasure. Appreciate the opportunity. Just uh, great space. Just a wonderful collective uh, group of ideas. But I thought I heard Cos uh, Cosmohas mention secret. And just in light of the discussion with regards to privacy versus transparency, you know, what's so wonderful, what sucked me into the Web3, you know, IBC world was uh, chains like secret and Juno. And, and one of the things that I believe is important to, to maybe underscore is, you know, in the B2B world, we build, you know, enterprise utility. There has to be a level of privacy for our clients. We have to be able to protect some of their critical data, not put that uh, private information that's, you know, company based on, on any type of public ledger. So using, you know, technology like secret and wrapping some essential information and then throw sprinkle in a little corium that's a, a iso 222 blockchain with some smart contract technology built on top of that with corium bringing xrpl and ibc together i mean it's just a plethora of just delicious technology that you can basically start baking these processes that do accomplish both right so from my perspective my goal in turning over keys to the zone owner, I don't want to see those keys. I don't want those keys scraped on a screen. I don't want any part of that. I want those keys delivered in an SPT that only the zone owner can open up. And he has the ability through a multi-sig to bake his command center wallet where the money's going to be stored. So I just you know appreciate the opportunity to jump in there. I can get a little long-winded, get some word salad going, but I just absolutely love the space and and the discussion about the essential aspect of having privacy in a B2B world, but also the transparency side. I'm, if you don't mind, I'll just throw a little past history build that I did. Um, I like where you're going from. I think I'm excited about what you're saying. Oh, thanks. Yeah. No, I just, and then the transparency side, I found some, some real utility and usage in, in making a, uh, an environment, a sales environment, very transparent. And had to, you know, cross collateralize a bunch of different data points in, in order to come up with some key, uh, some essential KPMs, you know, key performance matrix for each individual sales person. So publicizing that information back in the day in the late 90s, we used to throw it on whiteboards, sort of like Enterprise Rent-A-Car. I mean, they, they ran a, a ridiculous succession program where everything was married. Thank you. How old are you? I, I'm so sorry. You cut out there. I said, how old are you in the 90s if you were doing KPMs like that? How does that make you? You don't sound that old. Oh yeah, I'm definitely Gen Xer. I'm not. I wouldn't say Boomer, <laughs> Cosmo. I, I'm a. I, yeah, I'm born in '69, so I, I consider myself a Gen Xer. But no, I definitely got some salt on the head. <laughs> I'm just curious, man. I'm puzzled. It sounds like you got some good insights. I'm listening. I'm just curious. It sounds like you're in a storm. You okay? Yeah. Hey, we're struggling. No, we're struggling. Mike. I'm in a hot tub in Cancun right now. I'm chilling. I'm good. I absolutely love that. I, I just literally put that in my in my back of my image brain, and I'm chilling with you. That's awesome. I literally scare everyone else off in the hot tub as soon as I start talking to me. Start talking to <laughs> I saw crypto with them, and they're like, "Get the fuck away from me." 
what was great earlier was I was talking to these people from uh, Chicago, and they they ended up feeling my vibe. I mean, it's it was like extremely aggressive tone of voice, like fuck this, fuck that, like shut the fuck up. And then eventually, it's like, oh, maybe this guy knows what he's talking about. So once I started talking to this other guy who's like from Middle Eastern, and I was talking to his dad, they came over. They give me like, yo, let me get your number and your, you know, tweet and everything. It's like, okay, what's up, motherfucker? And this guy like cut off this motherfucker when he was gonna, like act like oh, only real estate. And I do have 150 rentals, so but I was still like, yeah, like yeah, this is the next goal, motherfucker. Uh. NFT Dart, do you have any uh, thoughts you want to share on the transparency versus privacy? And then after that, we'll we'll jump over to Curious yes. Jay, who also joined the space. Yes, yes. Transparency versus privacy. That's a big thing I think about a lot, especially when I'm down here. Also, you might ask, that's what I think you guys are thinking. I'll sell. Why do I think about that as a shark with my face? Transparency versus sharpacy. As a shark, you never really know who you're dealing with. You can be transparent with some people that you know, but secret time, you gotta be more secretive. Does that make sense? I mean, I know that sounds extremely... I know that sounds extremely like extremely coded, like base developer talk stuff that I was saying, but I think the average joke can get it. I would agree. I would agree. Well, I pre- appreciate that input, Xerox. Uh, the mic, just because the background noise, if you could leave that on mute for I'm now. I'm moving away from the hot stuff. Nice, nice, nice. Well, we'll, we'll jump over to uh, Curious Jay over here. Uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts on the, the current discussion on privacy versus transparency. Yeah, uh, NFT Dart made my night, man. I was dying laughing the whole time. I'm, I'm sorry, brother. I, I couldn't hear a word you said, but like, sounds like you're in a good mood over there. You're, you're partying, so congrats. Live it up. Um, yeah, so I, I honestly, I think uh, when it comes to the privacy, I truly think every blockchain should have a private aspect for individuals um, to transact. Like it should be like a, a standard. And I'm talking about every single blockchain. But like, let's let's say Cosmos, for example, like a DAO, of course, needs to be transparent and have, you know, all the addresses there so you can see the balances and everything. But for individual wallets, I think everyone should have their own privacy because people can just come after you and say, oh, look what you're doing with the funds. Oh, you're not staking or you're not doing something. You're not aligned, you know? That that shouldn't you shouldn't be you know at the mercy of of the community to to take your hard earned money to to do whatever with it right so um, like I think yeah it, it's 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 a fundamental right in in my opinion and I I think hopefully you know every blockchain has some kind of shielded uh, transaction when when you're doing uh, the privacy but I also had a question on Silk um, and like do you guys have any plans to integrate it with payment systems or or like you know i I heard noble is doing some you know debit card payments uh it would be cool to have like a private you know remittance on uh, with silk and maybe integrate with kato or other you know any any form of payment basically so that that way we can take your your 
uh, you know, crypto gains and, you know, hate private. Well, let me, let me tell you, we have, um, Finna debit cards coming to the shape protocol app. So there's going to be a card tab that's added. And the really cool part about Finna is it's essentially a smart contract where you can top it up with certain cryptocurrencies like silk, and that's totally privacy preserving. So you could have hundred thousand dollars on your debit card and no one on chain would know that you funded your wallet that much. Uh, and then essentially you'll be able to go around and swipe with your card. And what it does is it then trades the silk for USDC and then unwraps it, bridges it out and then performs the, the transaction with the vendor. So it's, it's like a half step. Full step is once vendors hundred percent accept silk on chain. That's like the absolute dream end game. But this is like a super powerful interim step. And we're also on our BD side, we're reaching out to as many of the kind of like Cosmos based payment solutions because we we absolutely want to see how we can integrate with them. So bright future for Silk on the uh, on the payment side. And that's a that's a wonderful question. Um, Tank and Xerox NFT have their hands raised. I'm going to make one last comment. I would love to circle back. Um, curious, Jay, on the um, see. Privacy when it comes to institutions and publicly funded goods, I actually think is a real, there's a, actually like a bunch to dig in there. Because I think that is actually when things start to get more gray in terms of what degree of privacy should exist. But we'll circle back to that in a bit because I think it's a super juicy topic. Um, we'll go with um, 0x NFT and then we'll hop on over to, to, to Tank. Hello, I'm 0x NFT. I turned off the jets in the hot tub, FYI. Sorry, everyone else in here. The big hot tub, but I just didn't, nobody could hear me. So I had to. It's actually in the hot tub. <laughs> oh, it's a huge hot tub. It's like 20 people in it. Um, but there's an emergency button, and that's what I hit. Um, so, anyways, on the topic of secrecy, I guess to say. Um, it kind of takes me back to, I guess, a situation that I dealt with in the neighborhood, I guess, with some of my friends, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. What was the situation? Um, so, I don't know. Oh, wow, I got a thumbs down. What's up with this kid? Cosmo Joe with the puzzle pieces. He's a mean person. Anyways, um, so we were just in the neighborhood riding our bikes, and we ended up having these uh, other kids in the neighborhood. We were kind of like in the hood when I was going up. Um, so anyways, it's just something we dealt with. So we kind of ended up with our own like uh, secret vibes and stuff, and. I just felt like maybe this related to what you all were saying. I'm not sure if it does or not. Might not. Maybe I should get more into like the blockchain side of it. But it's what it made me think about off the top of my head. Sorry. Yeah. the 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 vibes got to The vibes got to be secret. I, I I agree. In 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 communication, it's it's key to have that uh that that unity through through privacy and secrecy. Tank, how about you? Go for it. No, I just wanted to kind of circle back to uh, what Jay was talking about earlier. And this is a very interesting thing that we've actually seen develop and play out and still play out to this day uh, within the Cosmos ecosystem, right? 
um, the online sleuths. We've had people, because they don't have privacy features on many of these chains, create whole uh, personalities or whole followings within the Cosmos ecosystem. And I'm not talking bad about them. Some of these gentlemen and individuals, like I personally know and know I, I talk to, uh, I used to talk to on a quite regular basis. But we, we see how that, that because there's no privacy uh, to be had on these chains or within these business deals or within uh, these, these, these entities or groups, right? Uh, they were able or have been able to affect governance, policies, outcomes of whatever uh, issue was popping up at the time. It could either be a social or financial kind of... Uh, hey, hit me with a thumbs down and come with this shit. I didn't, what? Ooh, he accidentally dropped off there. Oops. Sorry about he must have disconnected. Or his or he dropped his phone in the water. Oh. <laughs> uh, but no, but but to go to go back to go back to my point, right? Like we, we do we do we, we we've seen that play out. Uh, and it's been something that's been uh something that I've been interested in following for a while now, being a content creator, being somebody that's actively engaged with the communities. Uh, you know, throughout the Cosmos ecosystem, when you don't have privacy features, and I've said this many, many times before, I think, you know, I, I, I somewhat agree that privacy is a right. I def definitely, you know, but I, I, I more, it more resonates to me that privacy is a feature that smart people will utilize over the people that don't get it right. Like, um, and I, I, I don't mean anything by that. There's sometimes I, there's sometimes I also do kind of like question that thinking as well, because I've been in the space of cosmos now for so long that it, it's definitely made me kind of like reconsider, rethink as I'm watching things play out. But that, to go back to what Jay was saying, like we've seen this play out where companies or protocols or teams do X, Y, B, and then the online sleuths just coming out of the woodwork and they, they cast that social shame or they, they ring that bell of, well, you're not doing this with the money or you didn't vote this way and this is that person and they control this. Uh, you know, like, let's watch them. Uh, it, it, it's very, um, it's damaging. It, you know, sometimes they think that privacy uh, or like, you know, everything needs to be uh, online or, or on chain and, and readily available. But there's a lot of times where it's completely shouldn't be. It should absolutely not be. Um, but anyway, I just kind of want to bring that up because, I, you know, because Jay brought that up. I, it's been something that I've been very interestingly watching the whole time. Yeah, no, no, you, you bring a good point. Oh, go for Oh, sorry. Um, yeah, and I, I, I would also extend it to to the the governance aspect, uh, like, uh, uh, which is funny because I just spoke with Fairblocks this week, and they're on on board to try to develop um, private governance. Um, and it would be good to have like a lot of these validators vote for you know without having scrutiny or in terms of just you know getting conspiracy theories of them collaborating together or, or something like that. And and I, I do think that some validators tend to lean on what some of the bigger validators vote. Of course, some of them have their best interests, but having that private aspect of, you know, voting and not scrutinizing people, which way they vote maintains that autonomy uh, and individuality for a lot of these validators. And that, it can even lead to more uh, decentralized system, but we do, we should still see like the amount of, you know, Adam that, that, they hold or they they stake and uh but yeah i was i was gonna add just a quick little uh comment was you'll probably see less abstain you know that way because a lot of validators they, i feel like it's almost a cop out they just don't want to take a position and i get it you know what i mean because there's we've seen it people used to take positions and then you you like literally have people in pitchforks out there 
just harassing people the way they voted undelegate this person's a scumbag it's like that, that's just what they believed in is that you know what i mean it's not their it's not people's businesses really it's, and if you're delegating to them if you actually vote yourself then it doesn't matter anyways because your portion of what you delegated doesn't get voted by them anyhow but people don't realize that stuff but no anyways go ahead no i think i think you know so, some of the some of the issues I think is not having enough utility out there readily available for projects. Right. So we're working on a zone based DAO structure where we're going to be using um, uh, secret and, and different mechanisms to give the zone owner the ability to set up a DAO, whether you can have a private voting scenario where everyone's masked with secret or a public. Right. And you can also create, let's say a DAO structure where, you have a singling, a sing, what's called a singling DAO, right? So it's not necessarily so rigid. You can say, hey, I have a group of people I want to invite into this DAO. I want it to be very open and transparent. Everyone can vote on the coolest idea on the next utility we want to build. And there's a DAO structure right there in one of our utility bonding zones. And then, then we have a private DAO where, hey, you can spin up a zone, create a DAO, go through our wizard. And we're developing this, as a matter of fact. We got a couple... Um, uh, uh, stacks of code getting ready to be uh, deployed in 90 days to give people the opportunity to spin up their own DAOs and use our zone-based structure. And then you can reward participation with our, with our protocol um, and incentivize them through, through a monetary uh, structure by setting up the DAOs, treasury, and, and all that infrastructure we're building uh, for more of our B2C side because we want to give the community more tools to be able to run their projects and their, and their businesses with with some business acumen, but also choice, you know, when you, when you can pull up when you, from a web two perspective, I mean, there's so much free software out there. It's ridiculous. You can run your entire business and not spend a dollar if you wanted to. And that's awesome. Right. But what's, I feel the near future is web two will become the dark web. There's so many holes that, that TCP IP and all the different elements of web two present in terms of ransom and just people scraping and whatnot. Those are going to be solved by Web3 and we're, what we're building. I mean, we are the future. IBC is it. I'm a decentralist constitutionalist here in the United States, and I believe 100% that everyone has the right to protect their own privacy and protect their family any way they see fit, both digitally and, and physically. So from my perspective, I just want to create more options for people to choose and have some really cool functional Web2 UI, UX, but really have some fundamental web three bake behind it and give choices. So when you set that DAO up, you're like, I'm setting this DAO up for a very specific purpose and, and invite very specific people. And then you can have a situation where you have transparency and everyone can see how they're voting and you're all fighting for the best idea or, you know, privatize it so that people don't get shamed. They can put their honest input and then, you know, monetarily reward them and in, in, in different utilities. So I just think what's so great about IBC and why we we dove deep and we love Juno Secret and we're actually building on Corium because of the fact that we can bring over XRPL, definitely an XRP army guy too. Um, but anyway, just, just fascinating conversation here. I just wanted to throw that out. We're super excited to bring some of these tools to market sooner rather than later. We are on live mainnet. Cosmo Haas has been a great supporter of ours, and we just I can't wait to give him his keys. We're trying to we're trying to do it in a way that, uh, as I described, is 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 super safe. But we're we're, we're actually spinning up some of our pre-alpha um, screens to some loyal supporters, and we just want to give them some love. It's just don't look at the UI right now; it's stinky. We're gonna we're gonna make it beautiful and sexy, kind of like shade. But uh, we we'll, we'll work to that. Right right now, we're just building rails and making sure we're 
we're really trying to protect people's assets through our trinity of safety and security. And we're very, very conscious about that AML stuff. So we're excited to kind of bake some AI stuff around the zones to make sure that we can make a safe ecosystem that people are proud of and, and want to put money in. Love it. I think so much of, uh, there's a lot of friction in Web3 governance because the tooling isn't adequate for people to form like micro communities and express themselves. Um, and so that leads to a lot of pent up frustration where all people feel like they have is their voice on Twitter or on a forum. And then they feel helpless because they, they don't feel like they're able to express themselves within a microcosm in a way that can cause a ripple effect. Right. So the more DAO tooling we can have, and I think privacy will be part of allowing people to comfortably express themselves in smaller circles and it'll ripple its way back up. I think it's going to be just super healthy for, for governance and what the next generation of like social collaboration around these things, how, how it operate. Um, we have stash up on the stage here that asked to speak. So I don't know who's behind the stash account, but um, feel free to say hello. Um, and if you have any thoughts on the value of privacy, the value of transparency, any of the trade-offs, feel free to take the floor. Yeah, uh, thank you. It's uh, it's Kyle from Stash. Um, pleasure to meet you, and uh, thanks for having me up here. Uh, yeah, interesting topics, some good ones. Um, yeah, obviously there's trade-offs to everything in life, right? And so I think we're going through some transparency and uh, privacy. I think that's a very big topic. Um, I think it's getting more popular with a lot of different chains coming out as well. Um, so yeah, interesting talks going on. Appreciate you having this. Um, yeah, I think can't we have privacy and transparency? I think there's a, I think it, there's a room for both. I think um, and I believe that uh, with some of the things that are going on, I think that what we're working towards is uh, allowing that to be you know possible, right? And so some things with place to the NFT side um, when you when you trade the assets, I think it's underappreciated right now. But um, I think in the future we'll we'll soon understand that um, some things are meant to be private and some things are meant to be public. Um, and so I think right now everyone's heavily on the public side. And I think, uh, you know, obviously with NFT stuff, I think we'll, we'll have a, a period in time where uh, privacy is a, its own focus, um, just like how gaming has its own focus and all these all subsectors of NFTs. Um, so yeah, it's interesting to have um, obviously a DeFi approach and then obviously there's a whole different sector in the NFT side. Um, it's interesting because obviously with privacy, you know, in the future, say if a mortgage is on an NFT or somehow tagged to a blockchain, obviously some things need to be private and some things need to be public in that sense. So I think there's a lot of things to be, um, you know, used in the future, which haven't come to light yet. Um, but I think, you know, give it some time to resonate and I, and I think some more use cases will will um, arise um, where we can have a transparent and also a private, um, you know, ecosystem. So something we're looking forward to. Two things that we've kind of observed at Shade is that essentially the higher the financial leverage involved or the more human identity is involved, like the more valuable privacy becomes, it becomes more and more tangible. So as it stands to reason then, like as the collective ecosystem matures, privacy will become increasingly more urgent as like a baseline, as a baseline standard. Um, we have Ozone Cry here who joined the, or Ozone Crypto, my bad, who hopped on here. 
Saw you reacting to some stuff. Welcome to the stage. Feel free to introduce yourself. And if, if you have any thoughts, feel free to share. Hey, man, I appreciate you bringing me up. Um, I am, I'm, my account is very new. I'm not so new. I've been following the industry since probably before 2018. I'm 26 years old. Um, I heard about Bitcoin in high school. And obviously, I didn't buy it because I didn't know how to. And then through college, I heard more about it. And it just made me more interested. And I just, I really think this is a huge topic in crypto. And I'm, I'm trying to, to give my side of this story where you have on one side, Jamie Dimon and some of these bigger names saying that the only use for crypto is blockchain which in my opinion is absolutely ridiculous if you if you just look at the network everything's right there right like we all know that um and then you have Larry think on the other side saying that it will get rid of all that clearly one guy's getting paid and clearly one guy wants to make money i think that's up to all of us to decide um which is which but on the on the on the privacy versus transparency, it's just a really tough line for, for all of us to balance. And I think, and that's not just in crypto, right? Like I think that's in our regular lives as well. Um, so I've stayed anonymous due to this fact. Um, but this is one of my bigger first time appearances speaking in a spaces where I'm honestly comfortable just coming out and talking to you guys and, being part of the community because being a newer person in the industry could be, could be scary for a lot of people. And until you have five, six years understanding what you guys are trying to promote it, it, you don't, you just don't know. So, you know, it, it honestly, it took some courage to come up here and say all this, but I, I just want to say that I'm, um, I'm backing you guys and that I support you. And then I'm real as well. I'm very small, but I've been here for a while and I'm looking to help try and grow the crypto ecosystem, what it's about, the blockchain technology as a whole, and just trying to help beginners learn um, kind of from where I came from five years ago. So I, I really appreciate the time and I hope to connect with you guys some more. And um, yeah, that's, that's about all I have to say on the topic. Thank you. Well, amazing. Thank you. Thank you for your courage. And as a encouragement, you're incredibly well-spoken. So definitely encourage you to keep putting yourself out there, get involved in whatever Cosmos chain floats your boat. I'm biased towards secret network and shape protocol because of go privacy. But yeah, thank, thanks for hopping up on stage. Appreciate you. Hey, Carter, quick question. Um, you know, given the, the mm -hmm. recent uh, tornado cash uh, situation that's going on, uh, do you guys have any concern for, for secret network or, you know, being, uh, you know, subject to like strict regulations or having the SWAT team just come to your door the next day and demand something? Oh, man. It's... It's, it was really, you know, I had the chance to go on Capitol Hill, like literally into DC and talk to regulators. And it's, it's simultaneously terrifying, but also very encouraging. There is a subset of people that value your constitutional rights and understand that privacy is a key part of commerce, that privacy and encryption is actually an important part of national defense. And so instead of treating these cryptographers like, bad people or these people that are promoting privacy as bad people like instead we should be partnering with them and making like places like the u.s the center for innovation around these things and we should be having 
these discussions about how we can have fair frameworks because we all know it's not as simple as total transparency or total privacy. We understand that there, there's many different people all over the world with different interests and it's a world of trying to find a balance and a consensus within all of that. Um, so on one hand, I'm very encouraged. And on the other hand, you see those the tornado cash-esque moments and the risk that privacy builders take is very, very, very real. Um, I, I, have, I have written down notes and stuff where like if one day it's like, oh, Carter's in prison, there's a whole set of stuff that comes out. And I, I hope that like privacy builders, we take that risk, but we, you really have to carry the torch and you have to be willing to stand on your constitutional rights and like the good news for someone like me is I have I have no criminal record, right? Like I'm a totally normal Joe Schmo from Minnesota. Um, and like actually most of the shape protocol people are like the most normal, good, their dads, their moms, they're just like good people, right? Um, so I, I, I reject the premise that privacy is like these, these evil people. They're totally normal people building it. But also it is true. We are taking a risk. And that's why, like, as a collective Web3 community, when we have these legal cases like Tornado Cash, it's so encouraging to see people contributing to those to the legal funds because these these will be the groundbreaking cases that we live or die by as an industry. Like 15 or 20 years from now, will be there'll be precedents that are set. And if we don't have the urgency right now to activate and to care and fight tooth and nail and, and set the story straight that privacy is a human right that privacy is normal, that it's a key part of decentralized technology and protecting national interests. If we don't do that, then we cede our freedoms and good people end up in trouble when they shouldn't be. Yeah, I, I think this Roman case is going to be pivotal and, and you know, hopefully he ends up fighting it and wins the case because it's going to be huge for privacy and blockchain altogether. Yeah, I agree. We have um, the uh, Tor Bear from Stash. Welcome to the stage. Would love to get your thoughts on the, the current conversation. Poor Bear. It shows that he's a, a listener for me. Oh, one second. Let's see. Can I, can I say Tor, you're now free. Tor, Tor is freed from the shackles. Tor, go, go Tor, ahead. Tor Unchained? Tor Unchained. Amazing. Permissionless. Amazing. Frictionless. Frictionless. Well, thank you for inviting me up and excited to see those of you who will be in East Denver just chipping in to say my two cents. Uh, I spoke at Consensus this past year in 2023, and Consensus did the incredible work. This is the Coindesk conference, not the uh, not the Ethereum associated development company. They invited a lot of builders in the space, and they also invited a lot of regulators and uh, enforcement agencies in the space to have a backroom conversation one-to-one about these challenging issues surrounding privacy. Because by and large, everyone on every side of these issues has their heart in the right place, whether it's around issues of national and international security, whether it's around issues of preventing money laundering and terrorist activity whether it's around issues of preserving individual sovereignty and empowerment, really everybody ends up on the same side, but there's a lot of confusion as to what does the technology enable? What does the technology prevent? There's really so much work to be done still on aligning everybody around the language, around a universal technological understanding. And there's many really great people within 
government and enforcement who are doing great work educating builders about what the reality is, what what the context is for these technologies. And at the same time, the technologists are educating the government about what's actually possible with these technologies that maybe they have different assumptions about based on what they've read about, what they've interacted with. It's an untapped space. It's a, it's a long arc of development, and they may not be on the cutting edge. That's not what the government is meant to be on the cutting edge. They're not meant to move fast and break things. They're meant to preserve a status quo for better or worse. For worse, that can prevent innovation that can really help individual sovereignty and protect human rights. But for better, it does prevent bad actors from exploiting loopholes that exist within our existing structures, and it prevents them from taking advantage of these nascent unregulated systems. So it was a really wonderful conversation just because there was so much learning to be had on each side. It is up to the technologists to continue building while having an open ear to regulators' interests. And it's up to the regulators to continue regulating while having an open ear to the technologists' motivations. And if there's poor assumptions made on either side, well, we end up building in parallel universes. There's laws that cannot possibly be applied to the technological landscape. There's technologies that cannot possibly be compatible with the demands of regulators internationally or locally. Fortunately, as Carter is saying, I do see progress on this end. There's a lot more understanding. There's a lot more common ground and language. And, you know, although the headlines kind of point to the people who may have conflicts of interest at a political level and other personal motivations, there are a lot of great people within enforcement divisions and the FBI, as well as regulators who are really just trying to understand what's here. They understand how a system that is both transparent, but also privacy preserving, where you have this programmability, that is such a powerful and unprecedented foundation. They can make so much use of that to protect the same interests that technologists are trying to protect. And I look forward to continuing that conversation uh, you know, from Stash's side, obviously this matters, but I'm a big supporter of what Shade is trying to build, big supporter of everybody who's trying to build any kind of privacy-centric technology. There's so many trade-offs, there's so many risks, but I do genuinely believe that finally people are starting to listen on both sides and we're going to find some kind of long-term foundation that ultimately benefits the users, which is what it's all about. If I, if I, there should be a clap, well, there is a clapping emoji. There it is. Of course, there's a clap emoji. There's also like a sobbing emoji. Oh my God, there's a soundboard. Yeah, I, I, had, to, I had to give you that. That was amazing. I had to give you a round of applause there. Well, do. Appreciate y'all. That's as unchained as I get these days, but thank you, Shade guys, for putting this space on. It is the big debate. And, and as Kyle was saying from the stash side, these are two sides of the same coin. We, we need both. We just need the optionality. We need consent. We need users and regulators and developers all to be part of these systems. And honestly, I am more optimistic now than I ever have been at any stage of this journey. So appreciate y'all being on the journey with us. Uh, I, I think that's amazingly well said. And what's interesting is the adoption of ISO too. You know, you're getting some, some of the biggest brains together, putting together standards. Uh, that everyone agrees upon could be best practices. And I I think we'll probably see an ISO, instead of the ISO 222, which is a great start, we'll probably see an ISO that's maybe uh, privacy-centric in terms of creating a global standard that everyone can kind of agree to. So it's just it's just an amazing marketplace of ideas. 
Yeah, like, I respect the developers building in uh, privacy. It's like very courageous. Uh, I know the market demand isn't there because A, for investors, they're worried about degenerate stuff. And I think, you know, for privacy it won't matter to them until it matters, right? Where, where they have no choice but to, to utilize privacy. And then they'll say, oh, shit, well, maybe I should have invested in this or fund these developers to build this. So I hope we don't go to a, a route where, you know, it's a last resort scenario and we're forced to pivot towards that. But but I do you know appreciate what Tor said that there has been conversations on both sides, and you know I think lack of education is is like a primary suspect. You know when I when I hear Elizabeth Warren constantly berate crypto on you know being shady, meanwhile we have you know Shade Protocol himself saying hey we're just normal guys building code, and you know code should be like free speech. And, you know so these are the things that need to be resonated. And like, you, you know, you can tell your friends, you can tell your family, you can tell just anybody in terms of what these protocols are building uh, to kind of ease the sentiment and have a deeper understanding of like why they're important. Love it. And Tank, before we jump over to you, I think the one other thing I'd add to that is I actually do think the demand is there for privacy. And I think it's been on the privacy protocols where it's like, you know, here's the 48 steps to get your transactional privacy here's your here's your 15 extra steps to do something that everyone else can already do and i think the the friction and the barrier to entry on privacy technology has been way too high and that's on us the builders but the implicit promise that exists in there is that if we can make consumer facing privacy things that are so seamless and so easy to use that you don't even know you have that extra privacy then we will suddenly have hundreds and thousands of people in Web3 that are part of the privacy ranks that say, wait a second, you want to take away my app that I use every day? What are you, what are you talking about? So that, that's what I think. I think the demand is there. I think it's been on the builders, the UI and the UX. And I think we continue to see strides on that front. And I do think we'll reach, uh, reach a tipping point. Granted, of course, all those extra friction points tied to regulatory concerns, like those are, those are absolutely valid. But I think on the builder side, we also have a responsibility to not just be like, oh, like, oh, not enough people want privacy, like, whoa, is us? It's like, no, like, I think the demand is there and we just have to build better products. Uh, Tank, go ahead. No, I absolutely love this. And you guys have already spoke so much about, uh, you know, what I'm going to be bringing up. Uh, I've said this so many times on my stream before, like posing the question, is privacy a marketable thing? Is it marketable enough in the in the current in environment that we're in right now, especially when a lot of other, um, you know, be it, uh, an AMM or whatnot in the Cosmos ecosystem is PVPing for users, right? Uh, I've always asked that during my during my uh, conversations. Uh, I see Red Eye here. He knows he's in a lot of spaces, but I've said it on spaces. I said it on the live streams. Like right now, is privacy so important that users are going to understand it enough to actually drive uh, adoption for whatever chain is on there? And you guys are you guys are already covering, like I said, you guys are already kind of covering those things. I, I agree with you guys. I think as more and more people, um, you know, come to realize the importance of privacy, that will come. Uh, you've said it earlier as well, like institutions and, and small family offices or whatnot are going to be probably more than likely the the, the bigger target, right? Like um, it's great that retail is going to be the ones that you know everybody always likes to think about, but like really, the target audience is going to be big companies, private offices, and the ones that really want to protect, uh, you know, what's going on in their books and don't want their competitors uh, or the, you know, the, the people that are out for them, be it regulatory or not, 
um, those are the ones that you guys are probably going to uh, target. But the people that watch our shows, the people that come to our spaces are normally, you know, just regular Joes and no pun intended, but Joes down there. Uh, how do we market, uh, other than having these great spaces that we're having right now, how do we market privacy better going forward for things like Shade, for things like Stash? Well, I can tell you from our experience at the application level and also at Layer 1, the word privacy itself, I mean, we love it. We put it on hats. We evangelize it because we want it to be kind of a normal word. But we acknowledge also there are these connotations that predate the systems we're trying to build. People have assumptions about privacy, all of these statements about, well, if you have nothing to hide, what do you have to worry about? I mean, we're not here to fix decades of history around these terms. But it is nice to be able to establish new understandings of what privacy actually is. When I get on stage and I discuss privacy as a concept, I break it down into pillars. I break it down into consent and freedom, sustainability. Uh, those Those are sort of the pillars that underlie it. Because when you hear the word privacy, you do have these other connotations of uh, you're trying to protect information from people who shouldn't have it. But for whatever reason, people get that that's a bad thing until thankfully somebody like Apple buys out a multi-billion dollar advertising campaign and is just like, no, it's completely normal. So it is normal, but it's the kind of long arc of marketing that kind of establishes that privacy is normal. Meanwhile, everybody cares about consent. Everybody cares about security. Everybody cares about protecting things that are valuable to them. And if you go out there and you're trying to market a technology that has these privacy first capabilities, I would recommend that you're not just saying privacy, privacy, privacy. If you're not also working to establish these related ideas of consent and freedom and empowerment and these things that are equally universal, you know, you're doing a disservice to ultimately the end goal of the technology. The point is not to make data completely inaccessible. The point is to establish that this data is privileged. If you decide to share it with someone you trust, it is your choice. If you allow someone to access this information under certain circumstances, you decide the circumstances. That's our expectation in the Web 2 world already. The question is why in the Web 3 world we haven't woken up and decided to enforce that same level of consent and control for end users. And I think for most people on this space, our assumption is already that in the long run, that is exactly what's going to happen. Web 3 and our privacy standards are going to catch up to where Web 2 was. And we can only hope that Web 2 catches up to Web 3 when it comes to user sovereignty and empowerment. Part of the reason it's hard to talk about privacy without all those with with all those other words, it's hard to be that eloquent consistently tor and you're so dang good at it um accelerate do you have any thoughts you've had your hand raised for a while yeah thank you very much for having me up here um accelerate one of corium nodes saying hello from down under um on this issue of privacy and transparency i i think they're both very important um elements that we must have on blockchain and the reason why I say this is because when we talk about privacy, we're talking about safeguarding um, individual rights. And when we talk about transparency, we're talking about fostering trust. Um, in order to have this on chain, we have to think about 
the adoption of blockchain, which is a new emerging technology. And in order to have institutional adoption, in order to have um, Web2 companies coming to blockchain, it's very crucial to establish these two elements. And that's why I see that uh, we will have to establish this, these two elements, especially privacy, without um, compromising the chain itself. Like to give you an example, it will be like I work in healthcare, um, and in order to have any information on chain, one of the worries that we have is is there going to be a breach of of um, on chain? Is there going to be a, a hack, for example? And this is a main issue. However, if that information is embedded in a code if it's it's secured in a protocol that only allows certain institution or people to have access to that data then adoption for from all these other big institutions will become very simple so it, it, also i will put it uh, there need to be a need to know basis for example when you have information on chain who has the right to actually see that information and and that's where we should, we should we should start you know we should put protocols in place that enables specific accounts or wallets to be able to see data that is being transacted on blockchain that's that's a really good point essentially encryption but with the data still being maybe prodable and testable by everyone uh, increases the attack surface and so if you combine encrypted data with permissioned access, you kind of lower that attack surface and it probably opens the doors to more institutional use cases. So totally agree. That's, that's interesting. Um, here's what we're going to do guys. I, I always believe in ending things while they're, while, while things are still sweet in the mouth. So we'll, we'll let Jacob go and then I'll, I'll close things out here. It's been a solid hour and a half. The vibes have been good. And one of my biggest things, I feel like Twitter spaces always drag right, right when, when they should be shut off. I think it's been a wonderful discussion. So we'll look to round things out here. Jacob, the stage is yours, and then I'll close things out for us. Yeah, great, great space, guys. Been, been, been loving it. Uh, what you guys been talking about? But there's like one point about secrets that I, that I enjoy that I, I haven't seen that much traction is the secret as a service that I that I saw early on, like people talking about, and I don't I don't really know why like that hasn't that hasn't been pushing for much longer you could say for like for example uh you could have secret governance um maybe to doubt that or some other thing for different chains maybe secret as a service for nft provider secret as a service for all these other chain stuff and i feel like that's like a a good market fit in the sense for secrets in a sense where um that could be implemented in every aspect of any blockchain you just ibc everything into secret in a sense and make it like a good ui you know um yeah so i'm like i don't know why that that hasn't been i don't know maybe it's a focus for you guys but i don't know why it hasn't been picking up for the most part i i agree jacob i think i think privacy as a service is is going to get more attention i just saw a video of Secret network relaying an encrypted message through Axelar to Polygon. 
like that's insane so now like essentially DAOs and these other apps not even in cosmos are going to be able to leverage the privacy of secret network and these these are the types of things that like the layer one team has been just chipping away on building out this like these primitives and and this toolkit um you know maybe instead of the cosmos sdk call it the the secret sdk or the privacy sdk and and i think there's going to be a whole set of um yeah like external chains and dapps leveraging secret networks privacy it's it's so freaking cool um Haas, i'll give it to you you got i'll give you like 20 seconds and then, and then we'll yeah. wrap things out here just say it was a really great space actually and i just wanted to shout out jacob because the fir- very first time i ever even knew what a twitter space was or even hopped on a twitter space jacob was a part of it so we'll always be linked forever brother that's all. <laughs> yeah, I went to the old time of Cosmos Space, man. Hell yeah, dude. Oh, the first time OG, I ever was man. on it. <laughs> during the, during the, peak, the beginning of the bull market. Oh my gosh, good time. Yeah, good time. <laughs> oh yeah, shit. I know it's, it's you're about to go to, to, to leave, but um, mm-hmm. do you have any update on Dow Dow uh, secret integration? Yes. I'm like, I, I'm like, I want that to happen. I want some secret governance. I want to use shade yeah. on Dow Dow. So that would be amazing. Yes, so we just got on off a weekly update number six call. We do a call once a week on on Wednesday and sometimes on Thursday. Um, the contracts have almost been fully migrated from vanilla Cosmosm to Secret Wasm, and the Dowdo team, I believe, in the next two weeks, will start integrating the ported contracts into the Dowdo front end, and everything will be open source. So we're absolutely cooking on that grant. We're moving. We're moving. Crazy, crazy yeah, can't wait to make some ever... silk from Dow Dow. I know, I know. It's it's so where well, there's there's so much stuff happening in parallel. But I just want to say special thank you to all the speakers on this Wednesday night, taking your time to talk about privacy and transparency. You can expect more of these kind of evening calls in the future. I, I think um, it's hard like, during the people forget how many folks have stuff during the workday. You know, so it's like trying to have some of these later evening calls, I think, opens up the, the audience to a lot more folks. Um, if you value privacy, please come and check out Secret Network, check out Stash. And of course, uh, Shade Protocols, Shade Protocol is the host we believe in. It's all about your money, your data and your decisions. Please join our community and check out app.shadeprotocol.io. And with that, hope you all have a wonderful night. Motherfuckers screaming out loud, looking for mercy. Before they find themselves working a corner down in Jersey. What could be worse? Misrepresenting the first come first serve. Mentality stuck in the burbs. I'll be numbing up first before discovering what works. And we'll see what other kinds of trash is under the dirt. We rape them under the earth. Sit and wonder about the worth and plate. Ring around the rosy while the thunder is served. Motherfuckers walking around here looking faceless. Trying to make a living selling friendship bracelets. Dead ends. Dragging out the max amount of payments Red down days, got them acting all bankless Yo fam, what? Check these tokenomics They probing this bear, flexing broken honest I had to lay my soul down, I'm just roasting honest And then to end a long day, 11 bowls of chronic Never known the politic, I was born to frolic It's been my policy to pollinate all over the plot We got a lot of apologists jumping in at the top We like to measure their velocity before they hit rock bottom Over impossible loss, it's all moss And I'm liking the odds, fond doing the more and forming mycological bonds Flick the cap, yo, the road is highly involved Flip a coin, diary falls Motherfuckers screaming out loud, looking for mercy Before they find themselves working a corner down in Jersey What could be worse? Misrepresenting the first come, first serve Mentality stuck in the verbs I'll be numbing up 
discovering what works And we'll see what other kinds of trash is under the dirt We rape and plunder the earth Sit and wonder about the worth and play Ring around the rosy while the thunder is served Trying to figure out the max amount of dinner lace Stacked and non-toxic Just to get a better place Smacking on the hostage Like the shit is play for keeps Clowns, white knight, and all these Maybelines They call it implausible When model after model keeps on Ripping off the coat and going full throttle beats Tearing apart your communitility All these low-hanging fruits Bearing zero liquidity Got a planet in reach Coming standard to each I'm on the back ten Stargazing after the siege Commanding all the management To grab a few seats And then we'll round up the beasts And send a messenger east Y'all better sign a release When I'm bumping these beats Hands up if I got motherfuckers Drumming the streets Yo, we got a few dubs We got a couple defeats And if you're coming for the king You better have some of each Motherfuckers Fuckers screaming out loud Looking for mercy Before they find themselves Working a corner down in Jersey What could be worse Misrepresenting the first come first serve Mentality stuck in the verbs I'll be numbing up first Before discovering what works And we'll see what other kinds of treasures Under the dirt We rape and plunder the earth Sit and wonder about the worth and play Ring around the rosy while the thunder is served Spaces.